So habits to live by. This has been the series that we've been in for a little bit. Um, what's funny about habits, whether they're good or bad, well, not funny, I guess what's interesting about habits is people say that we actually start to become our habits. And so what do they mean when they say something like that? Well, Good or bad habits tend to shape you, mold you, transform you, right? And when you're under pressure, under stress, or you're in pain, or just whatever craziness is being thrown your way in this world, you seem to always fall back on your habits. So having good, solid habits, rituals, routines that serve you is super important. And the why of why you do these habits matters too. That's how you stick to them. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we want our habits to reflect Jesus. So we started with the habit of rest, which honestly is what every other one of these habits needs to flow from. Because you'll notice when you're tired or you're overworked or you're exhausted, you start to not do things very well. We talked about a life that is led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the habit of our words, the habit of our thoughts, then last week the habit of study, and now today, we might need to lock all the doors, the habit of serving. We're going to talk about the habit of serving. So I read this humorous story joke, I'm not sure what you would call it, that I want to start with. So there's a husband and a wife, and they're talking. And the husband is one of these guys who didn't have a job, didn't try to get a job, just kind of laid around all the time watching TV on the couch. The wife came up to him and said, honey, I'm so ashamed about the way that we live. And he said, what are you talking about? Well, she said, my dad pays for our rent. My mom provides us food. My sister drives us around in her car. And he rolled over and he said, sweetheart, you should be ashamed. Your brothers aren't doing anything for us. It's funny how we can get this entitlement mentality, right? It's a big, big problem in our culture now, this self-love, it's all about us thing. People just expect everybody to do everything for them. Everything should either be free or we should just get stuff all the time. It should be easy. It should be fast. It should be the way that we want it. And it's a huge is issue that we're facing in our society today. But what I've also found is that there can be an entitlement mentality in the church. So for example, some might say, nurseries weren't that good today. I I'm not dropping my kid off there today. Well, maybe the only reason that nurseries wasn't good today was because you're supposed to be serving there. Oh, children's ministry, it's not good, it's, it's not cool, there's not enough workers, there's not enough stuff going on. Well, maybe it's because you need to be involved in it. Well, the greeters, they're really just not that friendly. Uh, the parking lot definitely needs attendance. Uh, the music wasn't that good. Well, the truth is, oftentimes, we've come just wanting to soak it all in and get everything without giving anything towards it. God wants us to be an active part of this church. And I believe that God wants all of us to serve. So I think we all know how we could be serving. So today I'm going to give you some reasons why you should make it a habit, a habit of service, a habit of serving. So the first one, 
You are saved for service. In 2 Timothy um, 1.9, it says this. It is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. Have you ever noticed yet that when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you weren't immediately zapped up to heaven? Apparently, he's got some stuff for you and for I to do. He, was, he wants us to realize that, yes, of course, he saved us from hell. We have eternal life. But he also saved us to a life of service, to serve one another. It says in scripture, Galatians 1.15, but God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. And in Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We were saved for service. And then let's read in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So each of you has a different gift. Each unique, each special. Turn to the person beside you, behind you, wherever, and tell them they're special. And not in a like, you're special kind of cut down way. (laughs) Like you're special, special, right? You're special. You're unique. God's given you some special abilities and talents that God's given you, right? So my next point is you are gifted for service. You have a gift, a talent or something that you can do that you're very good at. We're all gifted for service, but sometimes you find you don't really want the gift that you have, You know, I wish I was a speaker. I wish I was a singer. I wish I was better with people. I wish I could do this. I could do that. But not of all of us can sing like Amanda sang tonight, right? Not all of us can lead or speak like Pastor John. Not all of us can greet like Marina and Sasha, right? Not all of us can usher like my mom. They're all unique, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a gift because it's not the gift that you typically notice in a church. And that's a big problem. People kind of think that there's these elevated gifts above others, and it's just not true. All of us are needed in the body of Christ, every one of us. My body, your body, every part is important. Every part. There's not one part of my body that I want to just cut off and not have, right? And I think all of you agree with that. And so in the same way, you are a part of the body of Christ, and every part is needed. We all have gifts that we want to bring. Some of you might be administratively detailed. That's an excellent gift. Some of you might like to tidy up or fix things, encourage people. And we could use a lot of people in all of those areas like who tidy up after service. We've got floors to wash. We need to restock pens and, and cards. Like these are important things in our house, in our church, right? And like, do you know what this place would look like if we didn't have those things, right? Trust me, as soon as we stopped doing them, you would start to notice because there are people behind the scenes constantly cleaning and organizing and stocking things, right? All gifts are a big deal, every single one of them. Um, And each gift is supposed to do something. So for example, uh, my nose knows it's supposed to smell, right? Okay, my feet knows that it's supposed, they are supposed to run or, or walk, depending on the person, I guess. Um, But my nose doesn't get jealous of my feet, right? They both have a purpose. 
I don't want a runny nose and smelly feet, right? They're a bad combination, hence why I did the runny thing. Yeah, I know. I had to put one joke in there, right? It's a big deal. And this is actually a true story. There was a major league pitcher that lost his entire career because he broke his small toe. Okay? And it didn't heal back properly. It threw off his entire pitching game, a multi-million dollar contract. He had to forfeit the whole thing because his toe didn't heal right. So apparently, every part of the body is pretty important. And in the same way, every part of the body of Christ is a big deal. We all have a place to serve, every one of us. So we are gifted for service. Now, I've struggled all week with this message because it's a challenging message for people to hear. Whether you serve or whether you don't serve, I find the people who serve a lot start to feel guilty like they have to serve more. And then the ones who aren't serving, well, obviously feel guilty because they're not serving. And I think the reason why it is such a hard message to hear is because you can't fake this, right? You either serve or you don't serve. There's no faking it. Because some people like to fake spirituality, right? They talk the talk, they show up at church, they drop a few Jesuses and every other sentence, and you sound like super spiritual, right? But serving, you either do it or you don't. And it's kind of what I love about serving because it really cuts through who is serious about their faith, putting it in action, and who isn't. You either show up in the nurseries or you don't. You either show up to greet or you don't. You either show up to do music or you don't. You either decide to volunteer at your kid's school or you don't. You see the need in your community for an event or for a coach, you either sign up or you don't sign up, right? It's like, are you the real deal or not? Because it is a very big deal. But be encouraged because you do have a gift. You do have something to offer, but you either serve or you don't. There is no kind of. So let's look at Matthew 20, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this is actually not an option for believers. When Jesus showed up in the world, he didn't say, I'm God's Son, worship me. That's not how he showed up. Actually, he left being worshipped in heaven. When Jesus showed up, it looked something like this. When you look in John 13, he literally washes the disciples' feet. He came to serve you. He came to serve us. And you'll see it all over scripture in many ways. He serves us to the point of dying on a cross for us. So when people say to me, I'm sorry, pastor, I'm just a little busy. I totally hear your sermon today, but I just got a lot going on. I don't know what to say. I mean, I get it. We're all busy or we keep ourselves busy. But tell that to Jesus who sacrificed his life on the cross for you, who served you unto death. He took the pain and the punishment for us all, and we can't give him an hour or two? 
You know, okay, so now you might be like, oh my goodness, Yasmin, you're coming on strong. You're making me feel real guilty. Yes, I am. Because Jesus brought it strong for you and for me. So I make no apologies about this message. I'm sorry if it makes you feel uncomfortable and awkward and convicted, but I have preached on this so many times, and I'm now just laying down the truth for you. It's called discipleship. It wasn't supposed to be comfortable. We're not trying to grow spiritual junkies here. We're trying to help you become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And that means challenging you. So are we serious? Because if you're serious, then you understand that God tells us. He doesn't ask us. He tells us to serve. And it also, do you notice in scripture, is to take this attitude on as a servant. Service means service. I know that sounds weird. Service means service. Of course it does. But sometimes you can serve but not have the attitude of a servant. See, a servant does whatever, whenever, whatever, whenever, wherever. That's what a servant does. But sometimes we like to say, well, I'll serve, but only to this particular position and this particular hour or at this particular place or whatever. Or, you know, if you ask someone who's greeting to move from the front door to the other door, and they're like, no, like, this is my door. I can't, I can't leave this door. Or we're short upstairs in the nurseries and we ask an usher to go upstairs and it's like, nope, nope, I can't do that. That sometimes kind of gives away the fact that you may have a position of servanthood, but maybe not an attitude, a disposition of servanthood. Because we're here to serve Jesus, whatever the need. Now we have people here who are so good at this. Like I could list so many. People who today showed up for the work bee in plus 30 outside painting lines. Like Stephanie and John who are actually here at church after doing that all day. And, and Dennis painting and so many more, right? Who came to do that today. On Saturdays, you'll see Sasha and her daughter Tila who sometimes just come and say, where do you need me? I remember one Sunday, Ryan, who's one of our ushers, he was, or sorry, our greeters, and we didn't have enough ushers, and so I said to him, can you switch? And he willingly and joyfully said, of course. That's a servant's heart. And what I've discovered in God's word is it says, if you lift up the name of Jesus, he will draw all men to him. Not lift up whatever position that we're in, or whether it's on the stage or behind the stage. Not lift up the name of the pastor. Not lift up the name of the worship leader. Not lift up the name of whatever that special position is you want. But lift up the name of Jesus, and he draws all men and women to him. And so we are the servants, each and every one of us. And what that means is God is large and in charge, and we are small and on call. And wherever we're needed, we go. And I have found that this could be a real heart test because there's a lot of things that I don't want to do, right? Will you do whatever is needed? Are you really in this for serving others? Are you in your marriage to serve your spouse? Are you in your workplace to make it better? Are you in your family and serving your family, those around you? What is it really about? Is it about you? 
Because it's funny, we can even make serving God about us. It's hilarious, because we can, instead of making it about God. And so we're commanded to serve and to do it with the right attitude. And my next point, your church family needs your service. And it's very true. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now here is what I am trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Your church needs you. People around you need you. I don't watch a lot of sports, which I've mentioned before. Jordan now is stuck in my head all the time, so now it's crazy. I think of all these different scenarios. But I do really like a good sports movie, and I really like special behind-the-scenes about certain athletes or teams, like, you know, information that you might not have known. Some sports channels do a really good job at covering some of this stuff. Anyways, they're fun to watch and even learn from or have as an illustration in my sermon. One I watched was on a guy named Brian Bosworth, and he's known as the Boz. Apparently, he's done some acting, but um, I didn't know who he was. He played for the University of Oklahoma, okay? And he was a phenomenal athlete. Like, he destroyed people in college ball. He played a defensive linebacker, and he was defense player of the year. He was amazing. So everyone thought that he was going to go to the NFL, and he was going to be absolutely unbelievable. But he only lasted a year and a half. Well, what happened? Well, that's what this story is talking about. In the story, they were talking to his old trainer, and he explained that he had gone in for a shoulder injury. And what they discovered in the x-ray was that his back and shoulders were like the back and shoulders of a 60-year-old man. And he was only 23 years old. It made no sense. So although he was a great athlete in college, they discovered his frame was not big enough to hold the muscles that he had. So he may be just as strong, but his frame, his size, his general size, his skeleton, it couldn't keep up. So with Boz, he was huge, but his frame wasn't as strong as his muscle. And this is a very common problem, apparently, in the NFL. And it's why sometimes people don't get picked that we think should get picked and drafted. And so in the same way, I want to ask you with that in mind, how many of you guys would love for our church to grow by 500 people next year? Right? Or, or maybe 200 or 100 per venue, right? Wouldn't that be amazing to see that many com- people come to Jesus? A great way of honoring him? I think if I was to ask each of you individually, you would probably all agree that that would be great, right? But if 500 more people showed up at the neighborhood church, or say 100, say 200 at each venue right now, If they showed up, statistics say that 30% of them would have babies. So nursery, preschool age children. And they're going to go and drop them off upstairs. We can't take 30% more babies at the neighborhood church. We can't do it. It would be impossible. Think about if 100 more people showed up at this venue and 40% of them had preschool, kids church, and youth. Are we prepared for 40 more of those people to walk in our doors at this venue? Do we have enough workers? What I'm trying to tell you is we can't grow more until our frame grows more. Does that make sense? 
So absolutely growing by 500 people would be absolutely amazing. But if you do the math, that could be 300 more cars out in the parking lot. Can we handle that? Do we have people out there guiding the way? And when I think about that, I'm like, okay. So it's not just about outreach. We also need to increase the in-reach of who we, who we are right now, reaching out and serving more. Have you ever been to Walmart late at night? So at Christmas time, this is the only time I suggest to go, right? Because it's not so busy, you can kind of get in and get out. Well, these stores, if you're not familiar with the Walmart, I'm sure everybody is, they have everything. And there's other ones that aren't Walmart that have everything too. But you can go in for milk, right? And come out with a new living room, patio furniture, and tires for your car. Like everything is in this place, right? They're huge and they're massive. Well, have you ever gone up with a cart full of stuff and you get to the front and guess what? One register is open, just one. Has this happened to you? Like, am I the only person who always gets, okay, I'm, I'm sure I am, but um, it's frustrating for me, right? There's like one register open and everything else is closed or they have those automatic ones open, which are supposed to save you time. Well, let me just say, every time I scan something, it beeps and tells me I need an assistant. It is not faster. I have one pack of crackers and now I need it. Anyways, I'm going off on a rant here. And so what I'm trying to say is I'm standing there and I'm waiting for a cashier. And isn't it crazy how your experience in this multi-million dollar, beautiful, huge facility, everything you could possibly want, all the amenities possible can all be ruined because there isn't enough workers? It sounds like some churches. You can have all the great ministries, all the great amenities, all the great groups, huge parking lots, the best lights, the best sound, this, that. But if you don't have enough workers in the nursery, someone's experience can be ruined. This is the new, brand new mom who walks upstairs and she looks into the nursery and she sees like 30 kids running around with two people and she's like, oh, have a good day, bye. And she just walks out. I'm not dropping my kids off in there. And I might be exaggerating, but the truth is it does ruin many moms' experiences. Now she feels unsettled, she wanted to hear the message, she maybe heard something about our church, but it's awkward for her now because she's got her kid with her. It just kind of ruined that whole experience. Lots of parents actually choose their church or change churches based on their kids' experiences. What happens upstairs is important. If they love the church, their parents are more likely to stay. Could there be a mom or dad that could have received the gospel over the years but couldn't hear it because their basic needs hadn't been met when they walked through the door. Maybe no one talked to them, said hello, smiled at them, right? So it's simple, 200,000 square feet at Walmart and there's one cashier? Like, they gotta think that through. And that's what happens in churches here and across the world where people all come to church wanting this amazing, great experience, but there isn't enough people to serve them. 
And so no matter how nice our facility is, no how many times we renovate it and change it, no matter how many opportunities we have and offerings we have, the things that we offer people, if you don't have enough workers, it's going to ruin the experience. So your church needs you, needs your gifts, your abilities. You are needed in this church. If this isn't your church, you're needed in your church. A lot of people will say, okay, well, this is good, but I'm really trying to grow my knowledge. I just want to grow in my faith, or maybe you've been part of the church for a long time, so you're just so done with the being here five days a week, or working in the nurseries, or volunteering even maybe. You just want to be deep. You want to be mature in your faith. Uh, learn more about the word. But guess what? If you're not serving, you're hitting, you're hitting this like glass ceiling spiritually. You can only go so far with knowledge alone. At some point, God's going to say to you and to me, so basically you're already disobeying, disobeying off the knowledge I've given you. So are you going to obey what God's word says? Jesus says, go and do likewise. So when he says love one another, serve one another, admonish one another, pray for one another, warn one another, are you doing any of that? Are you involved to be able to do any of that? I'm telling you, there are too many one another's in the Bible for us to think we're supposed to do this alone. We can't just show up at church and think we're actually a full-blown, fully devoted disciple of Christ, because we're not. We have to be serving. God's word is very clear that we are to serve. And so you might say, you know, I don't feel close to God, so it's hard for me, or maybe you're suffering with something. But sometimes it could be because you're not activating your faith and you're not doing anything. So you do feel distant. Knowledge is just not enough. Otherwise, I can read one book on health and declare myself healthy. That doesn't make me healthy. I still have to eat right. I still have to take care of myself. I've got to work out, do exercise. You need to work out your faith. You need to do something. Your church needs you. But also, you need your church. And when you do begin to serve, you'll begin to experience the joys of serving. It's a game changer. It really is. Serving makes a difference in your lives as well as the lives of the people that you're serving. So your church really does need you. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 1. One of the most powerful reasons to serve is right here. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy, I appeal to you. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing him. This is the true worship that you should offer. So my next reason, because we owe everything to Christ. What do I have in my life that Christ hasn't given me? I owe everything to Christ. Well, you know, I earn my own paycheck, myself, really, off of what? Off the talents I have? Because guess who gave you those? It comes from Christ. Everything we have is the Lord's. In Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it in the ocean depth. This earth is large and he's in charge of it all. Everything is his. That means everything we have, everything we are, it's all Jesus. 
And so if he gave us so much, I think we can give back. You know, 160 hours a week, we could give a couple of those away to serving people. I think we could. We can make a difference because we owe Christ so much because he gave so much to us. And some of you might say, okay, I understand this whole serving thing, but this message is just all about serving the church because you need help. Well, yes, but also no. If you think that that's all this is about, you're missing my whole point. Because I can tell you ways to change every area of your life. Not only spiritually, but do you want to change your marriage? Do you want to change some friendships? You want to turn your marriage around quickly? Go home and serve your spouse. Ask them what you can do for them. It'll change everything. See, we live in a world that wants us to just serve ourselves, worry about ourselves. But if you become about other people, it'll change your marriage. It'll change your parenting, your friendships, your career. We need to be serving our spouses, our children, our parents, our neighbors, our employers, our communities. It is simply who we are and how we are called to live. It's the church being the church outside of the church. Pastor John had posted a quote on Facebook from the American Bible Society report. And it said, only two in five Americans read the Bible three or more times a year. And then in the same day, I found this, exact, this quote as well by Dwight L. Moody, who's an American evangelist in the 1800s. And it said, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. Hmm. So you and I may be the only way that others see Jesus or see the word of God. People who truly care and serve one another. It could be the only way. So the bottom line is the reason that we will go to Walmart or certain restaurants or certain stores is because most of us will say, man, they have great customer service. It's that simple. If we begin to serve others and put them before ourselves, it's a game changer. Have you ever just felt so far from God or that you haven't heard from God? Uh, maybe he hasn't talked to you in a while, just feeling distant. Don't feel connected. I want to give you one prayer that will guarantee God will speak to you. So few people are willing to pray this or do pray this. It's bold and it's crazy. Are you ready for it? God, what can I do for you today? God, what can I do for you today? So few people ask that. Everyone asks all day for what God can do for them, and that's okay. He, he delights in that. He wants, you to be, he wants to be there for you. But we are actually here to serve him, be his hands and feet. And he will speak to you after this prayer in different ways by different individuals of how God speaks to you. But it could be as simple as go apologize to that person. Go send that, send that person an email and encourage them. Go and pay attention to your child. Go love on your child. Go send that note. Go give this money to this person or to this ministry or this mission or that person in need. Go help that person move. 
That community really needs a basketball coach. Go over there. The school needs volunteers. That person needs prayer. He will respond. He will speak to you because this is our job. We're supposed to be God's hands and feet. Did you know that? Like this is our job. Our number one job. Our rent that we owe for living on this earth is service. Is serving one another because we owe everything to Christ. And the next one. You will be held accountable for your service. In Romans 14, 12, it says every one of us then will have to give an account to God. Okay, so you're thinking, yep, I knew this one was coming. I know that when, you know, I get up to heaven, I know that God's going to ask me, what did you do with Jesus? And you're going to tell him, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then he's going to say, and then what? I mean, what are you talking about? Like, I've got my get out of hell card free, free hell card here. What's the problem? I'm good, right? No, but then what? Because see, he didn't take you straight up to heaven the moment you got saved because he had some stuff for you to do. Did you serve him? Well, I mean, I went to church. Don't be offended, but congratulations. You walked through the door. That's not all that God asks for you. Don't get me wrong. I'm so glad you're here. It's so important that we gather. And so many of you are faithful week after week. And we should be here. Yes, it's great. But some of us come to church like we're doing God a favor. Rather than realizing we're here to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord. Does that make sense? You know, people who tell us at times, you know, any of the leadership... That worship just was not good today. Like, Pastor John, your message was awful. Well, you know what? It really wasn't about you. It was actually to honor our Lord and Savior. We sometimes come in with this spirit of expectancy, like I should get something out of this, instead of coming to church and saying, what can I give? How can I make a difference? Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. An amazing, powerful quote, right? That everybody knows that Kennedy said about his country. It's brilliant, and it's so true. So instead of asking what our country, our world, our church, our schools, our workplaces, even our relationships can do for us, maybe we start asking what we can do for them contribution. It's the key to happiness. Contributing and making a difference is the key to full happiness and joy. So you will be accountable for your service. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do for Jesus? Because you received Jesus, and that's great. Praise God. But did you now go and give Jesus away? Did you share your faith by reaching out to others, by serving others around you? So do me a favor and pull out the connect card. Every single person. If the person beside you is not pulling it out forcibly and violently pull it out and wave it in front of their face. And just look at the back. I want to challenge you to fill this out. At the bare minimum, fill out your information. 
And you'll notice there is no spot to sign up for a specific area. There isn't one. If you have something in mind that's speaking to you right now, of course, go ahead, write it down. They urgently need volunteers upstairs, like urgently to run our ministries on the weekend. We need care team members. We're going to need group leaders in the fall. We need help cleaning. But frankly, the heart of a servant is we'll go wherever I'm needed. So there's nothing wrong with marking down what you're good at. I'm glad that you'd want to do that. But if you want to serve, if you're willing to serve, just write, I'm open. I'm just open to everything and anything you need me to do, I'll do. Quoting from the book of Isaiah, here am I, send me. That's the true heart of a servant. Maybe mark the service you attend on there um, so that we can contact you, give you more information. Uh, we're going to have a volunteer team night at the end of August that you can come to and find out way more information. So maybe you just want to write that down and you want to learn about it. It's our kickoff. We honor our volunteers. We get people signed up. Uh, oftentimes, we also know if there's things going on in the community, if there's things that are needs in the area, we can help you with that as too, <coughs> as well. So I want to encourage each of you to join with somebody. Because some of you are already serving a lot, like you're covering for the people who don't serve. So maybe the challenge for you is to ask your spouse to volunteer with you. Maybe your friend. Maybe the whole family wants to do something together. Maybe your neighborhood group you're a part of. Maybe that group would like to serve one weekend together. Parents, if you serve with your kids, you're showing them a servant heart at such a young age, right? My kids, and I'm not trying to like boast because I definitely have a lot of my faults. I am a server. That's just who I am. But when I have the weekend off and I'm on vacation, my kids don't not come here because they've been a part of the church and seen all of us serve so much, they show up for their shift. George is in nurseries probably every single weekend. James is on camera a few times a week or a few times a month, but they still show up, right? Because we've kind of put this in them. They've, they've worked with us. They've worked alongside us. Um, some of you have encouraged them like in the nurseries, they'll work with an adult and they're just so nice to my kids and so they like going up there. So I encourage you, it's fun to do it. And I just want to say, okay, if you want to be a leader in God's church in whatever way that that looks like, it could involve picking up a broom. I've seen many times our lead pastor sweeping these floors before a service. His wife cleaning every cabinet and throwing every single thing away. She likes to do that. Ashley and Pastor Ethan hauling chairs, organizing chairs, cleaning garbage. Just great leaders do what needs to be done. Pastor John always says to us, SOS, see it, own it, solve it. It's a great leader. And my last one. And it's short, so don't worry. You will be rewarded for your service in eternity. In Matthew 25, 23, and this is what I hope for one day, as I'm sure many of you do. I don't know why it makes me emotional every time I read it out loud, but I can't read it usually without crying, so I'm sorry. But I so desperately want this. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, but I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. When I was young, the worship team can come up. There was a teacher in my elementary school. Now, I've changed all the names here just in case it offends them or whatever, but she was my resource teacher. I don't know what that means now, but that's what they were called. They were called resource teachers, and she was amazing. I absolutely loved her. I would help her in her classroom any chance I got. Like, I would wait for recess and beg for her to, like, let me do her chalkboards or to do whatever. I just loved serving her and being around her. And I think I was in about grade five, grade six, and she asked me if I could come to her house to swim and have lunch. So my parents had said I could, so obviously I went there. And I go to her house, and it's massive. Like, it is the most biggest house I have ever seen in my entire life. Apparently, her husband, which I did not understand at the time, was a real big fancy doctor. A businessman, he was rich, he was smart, he was really respected in the community. <clears throat> and about five years ago, I saw on Facebook that he had died. So I decided, I don't know why, I hadn't seen her since elementary school, to go to the funeral. There were so many people there. And a man about my age got up there to talk about her husband. And I'll never forget what he said. There's a lot of things that you can say about him, but when I remember, what I remember about Mr. Golden is that he taught me in children's church every week. I would come into kids' church, and he would always find me, ask me about my week, and give me a high five. And then years later, he did the same with my kids. I remember Mr. Golden because he changed my life. And he went on to talk more and more, and I was like... Wow. You see, Mr. Golden has a big downline in heaven of life's lives that he's touched, of children's lives that he's changed. You have an opportunity to do that for someone, to be Mr. Golden to someone, to leave a legacy, a spiritual legacy that changes lives. So I am so glad you're in church, but are you in church. Because if you're in, you're serving. It's time that we make this a habit in our lives. It's in every area of our lives, in our homes. Yes, in this church, of course, don't forget that too. In our schools, our workplaces, our relationships, our communities. It is simply who we are and how we are to live. Stand with me and we will pray. So, Father God, I thank you for this time that we've spent together. Learning about your word, worshiping your name, which we're going to do again now. I pray, Father, that we feel challenged but not discouraged because that is not my desire and it's not yours. But hopefully you'll inspire some change in us, a, a passion to serve, Father, we want to represent you well here on earth, Father. We want to do the best possible work for you and for this church, in our ministries, in our lives. 
And I pray as we leave here today that we are committed to worshiping you and serving you in our day-to-day lives. That we joyfully serve you and, and make this a habit in our lives. That it becomes who we are. Show ways and opportunities that we can bless each other, Father. Help us see you in everything and, and everyone, everything around us, just even in the small things. Help us see your blessings around us. I thank you for your service, Jesus. I thank you for serving us till death. I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for the example that you have given us. And I thank you that each of us are equipped with unique gifts and abilities to serve you well on this earth. I also, Father, I just, I pray that this church will become one complete body, serving you the way that we're supposed to serve you, honoring your name. Thank you for choosing us to do the work, to be your hands and feet. I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace and your joy that can only come for you. So, Father God, what can we do for you? Amen.